The Production Expert Podcast is brought to you with the kind support of Arturia, Avid, Source Elements, and RSBE Audio Solutions. Welcome to the Production Expert Podcast. I'm Julian Rogers. In this week's edition, Ashir and I are joined by Ari Mordit and Iggy B. Uh, we're going to find out who they are in a moment. We're going to be talking about the future of the recording studio. Um, we should um, welcome all. Um, and we should start off um, just finding out a little bit about um, both of our guests, um, who you are, what you do, how you come to be, what you're doing today, and uh, other interesting stuff about it for context. So um, I don't know who wants to go with that first. Uh, Ari, should we go with you first? Yeah, I can start. Uh, my name is Ari. My pronouns are they, them. Uh, I'm a producer and sound engineer, mainly based at Strong Room, but I also freelance as a front of house uh, for artists that do electronic, alt-pop music, and I'm a mentor for Saffron Records. Uh, we do courses for um, queer and gender diverse people to make the music industry a more inclusive environment and requalify educational spaces. Um, I also do music, play a lot of instruments, and yeah, I engineer. <laughs> Excellent. So, and and uh, at the moment, you do you work in in one specific place, or are you are you uh, on more? So of a I'm a freelance, brief? but I try to spend as much time as I can at Strong Room because it's a, my absolute favorite place. It has amazing history and also the DIY and counterculture that they have and promote. Mm-hmm. Um, it really aligns uh, with the person that I am and what I do. Um, so I try to spend as much time as I can there. But yeah, I also tour from time to time um and then you know freelance life we go with the flow <laughs> you, you, yeah you, you go absolutely. where the work is oh, yeah. <laughs> absolutely fantastic um, um same question iggy well probably not as exciting as ari <laughs> while she's running around strong room taking care of sessions and stuff i'm hiding up on the top floor in my own studio usually mixing on my own but sometimes producing other people in my little uh bit larger than a cupboard at strong room okay so i wanted to ask um so in what ways do you think the traditional recording studio has had to adapt over the years to sort of modern demand and and have you seen that happen you know in your kind of where you work at strong room I mean, I'm fairly new probably compared to Iggy, so he might be the right person to answer that. But I definitely saw a switch in the last year because uh, there are, I think there are less bands to record. So mm, the space um, uh, that is needed for a band is less required. Everyone has their own studio. The music industry is more mm-hmm. more towards like electronic music and pop mm-hmm. music, which you can actually do uh, in the box. Yeah. Um, of course, I believe that the outboard and then the acoustic treatment that are recording studios are unmatchable. Uh, but definitely, I think we're moving towards a hybrid kind of setup. Yes. Where yeah. the recording studio is not that central as it used to be perhaps mm-hmm. 10 or 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. Also, like, I'm a big fan of uh, all the plugins that emulate um, okay. real outboard or like synths. They're quite realistic. Uh, uh-huh. they, they would never substitute the tactile experience that playing with, uh, with synths or like touching a compressor and using your ears will do. But I think uh, they uh, provide a very good uh, experience for people that don't have access to, mm. like a Juno from 1980s, for instance. Well, it's democratizing, democratizing the industry a lot. 
Iggy, yeah. I uh, moved into Strongroom about seven years ago, and the whole point of moving into this big complex was that I could do without a live room most of the time, but also had access to big live rooms in the biggest studios here at Strongroom. Mm-hmm. And then it ended up that I don't actually use the big live rooms. There's been mm. not so much need because I'd done most of the stuff in my small studio. I have a little uh, vocal booth that's just about big enough for a drum kit and somehow people have fallen in love with the the dry, dry sound that this little tiny booth that you can fit, barely fit a drum kit in provides. Mm. And uh, I've found, found ways around not having a big live room and it's kind of worked out so yeah that hybrid setup of um having a computer to save you but also having i've got a a nice uh Kadak desk in my studio and i've got lots of outboard mm-hmm. and uh between the two of them i can get the job done as best as i can yeah. i think i mean because with the new the newer studios that are popping up they tend to just have it's that hybrid approach you know they've got the the macbook um loads of cool outboard gear uh, maybe a tiny mm. little, you know, vocal booth or something and good acoustic treatment, which is really important, at least for me, um, good speakers and stuff. But that's a lot of the time you just want to rock up to the studio with your laptop, plug it in and then kind of work from there and just have that good, you know, acoustic uh, kind of environment. Yeah, really. But I have um, I because most of my time now is spent mixing and I have um, and I split my time between uh, living in Dorset and living in London. Mm-hmm. And when I'm down in Dorset, I just have a laptop and uh, an Apollo and some speakers. And I can open my laptop and it can, thanks to Dropbox, it can just pick up my session that I had going on in the studio exactly mm-hmm. where I left it. And I can I can normally get my mixes probably about 80% there just on yeah. my laptop. But then I come in for a... a few days in the studio and smash out uh the extra 20 percent, as it were well that's the thing isn't it you you can get almost there at home yeah. like i've got acoustic treatment i've got those of really thick kind of bass trapping and mm. kind of a diy approach but it's pretty decent for you know a production and a first kind of mix but then i usually go to the studio and then it's like whoa i can hear so much better you yeah, know at the and studio work so, and work faster exactly if I can, if I can jump in here, this is mm. this is very familiar. What you're saying about this idea about um, about being able to do a, a lot of the work um, away from ideal environment, in, in uh, and then um, should we say checking or, or finessing or some or that mm. that, that last fine tuning? Yeah, let's fine-tuning. go with that fine tuning um, the the work that you've done away from uh, an ideal space in a in a much uh, much more appropriate space like a a, a treated control room. Um, this is um, she you you were saying it. Well, I mean, both mm. of you were, were saying about this. What is it that you think you are spending your time fine tuning when you're in that better environment? Um, all, all three of you, please. Mm, Ari, let's go. What do you think you tend to find? Um, for sure, I'm listening to like nuances that I wouldn't be able to uh, listen to in my home studio setup or through mm-hmm. headphones. But ultimately, um, I always consider the fact that people listen to music through headphones and like mm-hmm. earbuds. Yes. So I want to fine tune uh, my music to that as well. 
Um, and I think, again, as I was saying before, it's important to have like a hybrid kind of approach nowadays and have mm-hmm. the space to fine tune that sub bass that you were not able to yes, hear through uh, the earbuds, but also make your mix uh, clear and translatable mm-hmm. to all the devices, mm-hmm. I think. So. When, when you can actually hear and you're in a you know properly acoustically treated studio, mm-hmm. it suddenly kind of hits you what's wrong with the mix. So the yeah. vocals suddenly usually mm-hmm. need to be brighter, in my opinion. Yeah. You can suddenly hear the bass a lot better and you think, okay, that needs more control. So you've got more kind of... You definitely hear a lot more details. Mm -hmm, um, Exactly. Which help you to finalise whatever project you're working Mm -hmm. on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That was a good point about the earbuds as well, because I remember, I think it was you, Julian, you had uh, Reed Caulfield Mm. on a a few weeks ago, was it? Uh, I'm not sure it was as long ago as that, but yeah, um, absolutely. And um, and what, what were we saying? You were talking about how most of the mixing is done now on sort of Apple AirPods. Um, um, not mixing, but but consumption. I think it's a point I've made in the past mm-hmm. that um, th- while there isn't anything that that more people are listening to than than anything else, if there's one device that more people are listening to than any other mm-hmm. one device, it is probably Apple AirPods. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, if there's, uh, should we be mixing to those or should we should we not be? And th- that's a sort of uh, that's a point that people have different opinions on. Put it that way. Mm-hmm. I think we should be open to do both um i don't think uh you can achieve like a great result on like mixing uh in your earbuds if you know your earbuds very well but mm-hmm. you never be able to hear all the nuances and details and uh what's wrong with mix as she mm-hmm. was mentioning uh in your earbuds so if you have the the chance it would be important to try and do both yes. like we used to do the car check back in the day so basically the earpods substituted the car check i think i yeah. think i think That's you might be point. onto something there about um uh, the the car check definitely. I was I used to I used to work um, with relatively open access to a really nice, uh, well designed studio that had. Um, I mean, it was purpose built. It was pretty big, uh, and it had a lovely big pair of ATCs in there and a load of lovely outboard, which I never touched. I whenever I went in there, I only went in there for the, for the for the ATCs, which is a lovely thing. They were like, I don't know. I um, love the ATCs. 150s or something like that, but big ones. Um, and um, But more for the room. And what I found in there was that um, uh, in that in that great room, suddenly I became way better at mixing. Mm. <laughs> <And> <laughs> it's those, it's especially that bottom end, those bottom end calls, when you can actually hear what you're doing, yep. it's fine. Yep. And this is yeah, very yeah. much why it's sort of like, if I'm working at home, it's like, oh, you know, should I dial in some sub bass again? Well, maybe I should, but probably not in here, because who mm-hmm. knows? Anyway, anyway, please. Um, Iggy, did you have something to add? I, I, I thought that maybe you did. Um, well... What was the question? <laughs> oh yes, um, I think we kind of diverged a little bit. That does. We did, Are we, we still talking about airbeds? We we yeah. we were talking about um, <laughs> we were talking about uh, um, fine tuning and finessing mixes between your home space and oh uh, yeah, and yeah, more yeah dedicated yeah. space. Well, no, normally I'll tell you what happens. Normally, I'm so I'm, I get this mix so, as far as long as I can on the headphones in, mm-hmm. at home, and then I come in into the studio and uh, what is wrong with the mixing on my headphones immediately becomes apparent and then very quickly I can I can work with it but none of that would have become uh apparent work if I was completely working on my headphones so 
but um, but a great deal of what you've done a, a, away from away from that dedicated space was was right and was fine and you've saved yourself a lot of time in that space presumably exactly yeah. exactly yeah uh probably i mean it's probably inefficient with time in the long run but you know efficient with studio time yeah exactly sure. and i mean this is something i've heard about in you know i mean just kind of uh um, mixed stages, you know, I mean, really expensive rooms, like like big mixed stages for for films and stuff, and uh, so much more of the work is going on away from those spaces and and, and virtualized solutions as well. I don't know if you've tried any of these things where you've got like a virtualized space, a virtualized mix room. Mm. Um, these th- these are available for stereo with your kind of. I mean, I won't specifically name products, but I'm sure you've seen mm. them. But they also they also exist for um, for for you know uh, multi-channel solutions as well although that's that's much less of a of a thing anyway anyway yes absolutely it's efficiency because put this way i'm sure i'm sure it makes accountants pleased if you can push more people through one one space than you'd otherwise be able to if they had to do all their work in there ever wondered what it's like to mix an entire album for kanye or layering vocals for chris brown join your hosts cash and g every fortnight as we sit down with some of your favorite artists producers and engineers to talk everything music brought to you by avid pro tools that sounds great it's difficult though because i can when i'm in the studio and i've got all my gear the tactility of using my desk and my um my outboard gear it, i just work so much faster and it's such a um it's such a drain on time with a mouse and a picture of an ssl channel mm. you know and uh and you you just don't work well i just don't work in the same way mm. and it's i don't find it very productive but um also, you use your ear more than using your eyes. Yes. Like mm. instead totally, of looking totally. at plugins, you actually hear uh, what you want to correct or adjust instead of looking at it. I think That's it's exactly very it. important. It's like for me that I was born like in an age where I started looking at things before listening to stuff. It's mm. really important to have the tactile experience. So I take my head away from the screen and mm-hmm. I just touch knobs and adjust what is needed to be done. I consciously like mix on producing something with intention more than okay i'm looking at these frequencies and i think it's wrong if that makes sense mm. yeah yeah i completely agree with that so ari that i mean you're talking about um uh t- touching knobs and and you know using using tactile stuff and only using your ears um mm. so t- are we talking about using using outboard or are you talking about control surfaces controlling software without reference uh, to the screen both both um, I like using outboard when I have the chance, but um, when I work like in Ableton, for instance, I'm a massive uh, Ableton user. I try to map as many parameters as I can to mm. my MIDI controllers. So if I have to dial in with some automation or, uh, I don't know, open a filter in a certain in a mm. specific section, I like to do it like attaching actual mm. knobs. So I try mm. and map um, whatever I have in my Ableton session to uh, all the knobs that I have on my push or I have a Arturia controller so I try to actually mm. perform and touch whatever I have yeah. <laughs> instead of looking at the screen and using the, the mouse as Iki said yeah 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 that's why I think the um I got sent an audience and I'm pretty happy with it to be honest because uh, it's uh, with literally you just touch uh, one button and you can assign anything so obviously when you use loads and loads of different plugins uh, it's nice to be able to sort of just quickly assign to different parameters and and have that tactile sensation without having to root 
you know, loads and loads of things beforehand. Mm. Um, and especially like with production that it's more like I, w- I want to incorporate the performing elements when mm-hmm. producing something more than uh, just diving in in the technical part because sometimes our job can be very dry and technical mm-hmm. so having those little things that can can give us the chance to perform with the yeah. artist that we're producing more than being the technical person on the other side yeah, of, yeah, the, yeah, of yeah. the desk. It's, it really helps me personally. Yeah. It makes my job way more creative. Yeah. Do you ever feel like, both of you, Iggy and Ari, do you feel like when you're mixing that you're kind of moving and like sort of just moving the mouse and moving all these knobs and stuff and just kind of dancing with the mix? I feel like yeah. I'm, I catch myself doing that sometimes well, and it physically. makes me laugh. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it is... Kick away the chair is is a good thing to do. Oh yeah. Just to have just to be in a space that's not your, you know, your golden spot in the middle of the speakers. Uh-huh. I think it's so helpful to not be in that spot. Oh, you, you're uh-huh. talking about kick, literally standing up out of your chair. Yeah. Well, that's 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 something I'm I'm standing right now. I've got a sit stand desk, and um, yeah, absolutely, mixing um, really makes a huge difference. I used to work on a on a decontrol quite a lot. And mm. uh, I was always frustrated by that because it's a lovely surface, you know, and sort of large format and everything. And just having so many, so many things within reach if you reach over to them. And I used to, I used to, I used to work at that standing a lot, but because it's such a big lump, <laughs> it's difficult mm. for it to be any height other than the one it is on its, on its manufactured legs. So I, I find after a, a long time mixing on that, I'd end up with quite a stiff back from just leaning a lot. So yeah. the idea of being uh. able to lift. Um, I wanted to, uh, to um, ask you, Iggy, actually, about your um, Cowrec. Uh, it's a Kadak. it's a Kadak. Kadak. Yeah. I always do that. Calrec Kadak. Everyone um, does. I did no, absolutely. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually sat at a Calrec right now. <laughs> oh well, there we are. But uh, mine is a Kadak. And I know the Kadaks quite well as uh, as as live boards. Which I mean, I'm I'm assuming yeah. this is a repurposed live board. They were very yeah, popular it was, in mine, theater. Mine was actually from uh, Les Mis. Oh, okay. Because they're very sort of low-profile knobs and things. They're all designed for sort of operating from sitting crouch, so you're not blocking sight lines. As yeah. I but yeah. So presumably, as a repurposed board like that, this is something that you use for mix for mixing and yeah. less for tracking. Do you ever track? No, I use it for tracking as well. Okay. I um just because um the routing is so it's so easy when you've got a big desk in front of you, mm. you can just press anything it can go anywhere so for tracking very much so and the preamps are incredible oh it's always very uh, high quality so so but you you mix you mix through it as well and yeah mostly i'll tell you what mostly um mostly for the summing and routing to effects and outboard with automation coming out of your daw so yeah exactly do you mix off faders or is that just trims and then the complicated stuff happening out of the daw all the faders are at Unity yeah, most of the I time. I'm familiar with this. Okay, no, <laughs> for, I wanted to for ask recall, you. For recall purposes, course, I can just you know, bring any project up instantly on the desk. But yes, Cal, Calrec, Kadak. Oh, da, da, da. Yeah, there we go. Anyway, no, I had, I had to get that one in there because uh, yeah, I'm familiar with those boards. Very underrated desks, in my opinion. Shh, don't tell everyone. <laughs> Achoria has a wide selection of software effects, including three compressors, three filters, three preamps, and three delays you'll actually use. The latest release, three delays you'll actually use, includes Delay Tape 201, Delay Memory Brigade, and the unique and experimental Delay Eternity. A bundle of selected effects called the Audio Fuse Creative Suite 
is included with all AudioFuse audio interfaces. Visit Autoria.com to find out more on the effects you'll actually use. I wonder if at some point studio will start incorporating like digital desk, uh, like in live sound, because I, I do a lot of live sound as well. And all of my automations uh, are made live and I stand and I dance <laughs> basically <laughs> and I move along with the band. And what digital desks do, they're basically the massive interfaces. Uh, so you can multi-track with it and you can recall automations like you would do with like a fader port, for instance, in Pro Tools mm. and stuff. So it would be, I wonder if these two words we start merging at some point. And this is something that, that we've wondered on the site before. And we've, we've had mm. a couple of articles relatively recently asking that same thing, because when you're in front of a, a good quality live board, yeah. I mean, you, clearly you're also struck by just the power you've got available. And of the course. interface is very clearly thought through because it's kind of mission critical stuff. There's no, there's no faff time on a, on yeah. a live event, so it's yeah. so ergonomically they're pretty sorted. Uh, so if if you would if you were going to kind of t take a take a board home from a gig uh, back to your studio of the ones that you've used, is which which one do you think you'd? Uh, yeah. uh, Alan and Heath SQ5. I actually, <laughs> I, I know I hope... Keith very well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Alan and Heath are, are just up the road from me. They did an absolute brilliant job with that desk. The preamps, you can yeah, hear yeah. the difference when you're mixing live with an all in an eighth with another desk so the preamps are absolutely brilliant the routing mm -hmm. it's so easy so i recently started using a program that is called live professor so it basically allows me to merge uh all of my plugins and whatever i do in the studio in my live mixing so the two so i'm not using whatever desk i'm working on um, but I have my plugins, so I have UAD, Valhalla, I don't know, Sound Toys and this mm. kind of stuff. Mm. And the routing on the Allen and ETH to uh, use this uh, setup, it's so easy compared to other desks. Mm. I'm starting nerding out here, so let me know if I go on. You're in the right place, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, basically, you just click on the channel and then select the aux that you want to send out your signal to and have all of your plugins as an insert. That means that there's no like external patching or other faff that you have to do on other mm. desks. It's so easy and it just upgraded my mix uh, entirely. Okay. Yeah. And this is this is time-based effects that you're running out because I mean presumably there's some latent round trip latency issues if you Yeah, running. the latency if you run your own network basically you kill all the latency mm. and Otherwise, when you're doing a USB, you can group all of your channels mm. and then split the latency across uh, all the channels. But if you think about it, um, you have some sort of latency, big brackets, from when you're standing like in the center of a venue uh, from the stage anyway. Yeah, so yeah. That, that millisecond of latency is not going to affect that much uh, the mix from the front of house. And when you're doing monitors as well, maybe you want to send uh, whatever signal you're mixing pre-fader to the musicians on stage so they can hear themselves in real time. So yeah, it's a very powerful machine and yeah, yeah. I love mm -hmm. it. I, I, I'm really glad you called out the, that Alan Heath because I'm, yeah. I'm very familiar with it and it's it's a great thing it's all it's all fpga which i think's really kind of changed mm. the opportunities for for brands to develop stuff just because yeah. they're they're kind of set free slightly from custom hardware it's a great great product yeah and also like you hook it up with a usb and it's an interface you can multi-track mm. while you're mixing uh and I never had a problem with it. It never crashed. Uh, mm. The it translated the sound really, really good into Pro Tools, and it's very clear 
um, I love it. I wish I could buy it very soon. Yeah. <laughs> it's in my list. It's in my list. What would the limitations be of just plonking that in a studio? Uh, why, why would that not not work? There are two things I'm aware of, but it's, I'm, I'm not mm. sure the question was directed. I don't to know. Me. I never tried to put it in a studio, so I run recordings uh, on locations. So I often record, uh, like I don't know, string section and brass in a church in West London on a digital desk. So I've done yeah. recordings on location with a digital desk, but I don't know how it will translate in a studio. Um, it would be interesting to see how that work, like a big yeah. digital desk. There's a couple of pain points. Um, I mean, one of them is uh, is drop-ins because on a recording console you've got a dual path that you can swap oh, between yeah, very easily. I, I I had a look at this. I had a chat with um uh, with the guys at Alan Heath on the SQ actually, just kind of trying to and I was trying to concoct some kind of bodge hack to get around it where you could maybe assign the same uh, on the same fader but across two layers the two paths and whether or not you could do something but but it all it's yeah it's it's something that that i think actually needs planning for i, th I think it's just not the focus of those manufacturers the other one is mm. that while you've got um while you've got uh, scene recall like snapshot automation um as far as i'm aware there's there's no digital live board that does dynamic automation like kind of like daw in automation where where um things change dynamically over time i might be i might be wrong on that but i certainly haven't come across one mm. but there's only two things i can but i you know i mean i'm i'm absolutely with Ari of kind of like i think they'd be fantastic and there's um i've seen i've, I've been to uh i've been to a friend's studio uh, uh Chalo park down in in oxfordshire um uh will there he's he runs all of his um because uh, he's got a live sound background, and certainly a few years ago when I when I went there, he was running all of his foldback from the control room through like basically a monitor board, like a, a Soundcraft digital mixer, you know. So it's because like why wouldn't you? You want to set up a few mixes to a few different people? Well, there's a tool for that. <laughs> so mm -hmm. yeah. Anyway, anyway, please back to you. Yeah, I mean, thinking about the fact that, uh, for instance, uh, many sessions at Strongroom, we route uh, here back through Ethernet. Uh, so we create channels, auxiliary channels through Pro Tools. So it's basically the same principle of uh, sending an aux through a uh, digital, um, yeah, digital desk and doing like a monitor mix. So I think the two worlds are merging slowly, slowly. Mm -hmm. So the live world is going more towards the studio and the studio as we have a lot of technology that has been incorporated in the audio industry is moving towards the other side. So I think at some point they will meet in the middle. So, so what is so. your, um, Ari, you were saying that obviously, you know, uh, live bands are becoming less and less in the last year that you've seen um so yeah. what is the kind of biggest client base that you have or what's the most requested work at the moment that you get um there are a lot of writing and production sessions which implies someone coming with a laptop and producing mm -hmm. music from their portable studio and maybe adding some guitar a lot of vocals recordings yeah, uh, yeah. because of course we have access to high-end microphones like i don't know c800 and then output etc mm -hmm. etc et um mm -hmm. and then yeah a few bands but i think it's relatively relatively less than it used to be Right. Uh, before, so what do you think yeah. of the, the appeal of Strong Room is then to these people? Because um, obviously you've got a much bigger space than perhaps some of these more modern, smaller studios that, that maybe have the same, you know, same kind of gear, perhaps. Mm. Do you think it's more the, the vibe, the history? 
Uh, Vibe the history, like uh, we we have an EVR and an SSL anyway, so that's mm -hmm. kind of like a matchable. <clears throat> and also like the people that work there, uh, we are all very passionate about what we do. Mm -hmm. uh, we give like a, a sort of kind human touch to the place that mm -hmm. uh, you can have the biggest studio in the world with the best outboard, but if the people don't give you like that human yeah. content and human touch, that's something that you're gonna lose from your session, mm -hmm. I think, because we are here to create and we creatives and that's based mm -hmm. on human connections as well. And it's that comfort aspect yeah. as well, which is really, really important. Yeah. Um, what do you think, Iggy? What's, uh, you know, why do people uh, come to you in general? Um, I think because they just like being in my studio. It's a very calm place mm -hmm. and um, it uh, is good for inducing creativity, I think. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like you walk in and it's safe space and, uh -huh. every, and you're confident that what you're recording is going to be the best, sound the best it can possibly sound. And um, and what do you do to sort of show that? Like, how do people know that they're in a kind of safe space? Um, well, that's what you feel as soon as you walk in my studio. Oh, I think. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, I, I don't know. I I think I have kind of a, a quite a um, I'm quite amicable, and mm -hmm. uh, you know, people just there's a good feeling when you're in my studio. I think. There's no mm -hmm. stress running around. There's no, it's it's kind of the opposite of any um, very clinicy looking studios, mm, which is important. Do you have like sort of dimmed lighting. And... I have dimmed lighting. I have oh. incense. I have uh, my walls are made of velour. The Production Expert Podcast is made possible using Source Connect Now from Source Elements, the free way to record high quality audio over the internet. Need to record an interview or a podcast like this one remotely? With Source Connect Now, you can. Using a Chrome browser, you'll get ISDN equivalent quality audio without the need to install any additional software. Register for your free account at now.source-elements.com. Do you actually have incense, though? I mean, I've got to... Cause... We all yeah. do. Do you? Because, yeah. I mean, I've yeah. been to Strong Room and it does look like, it does look like basically a, a hippie's bedroom from Psychedelic. the 90s. I mean, it's <laughs> yep. kind of... Yeah. And if the place doesn't smell of patchouli, it should, but... Uh... Does it smell of patchouli? I love the deco. It's very mm. punk, psychedelic. Mm. Uh, absolutely. Um, I, uh, I, I wanted to suggest a word, actually, because uh, you were talking about this, um, you know, what is it people are looking for when they come to the studio and why, why, why is it of value to them? And I'm, I'm thinking, I mean, I'm, su I'm going to suggest focus just because, I mean, to, to illustrate the difference, I find it extremely difficult to read when I'm at home. And if okay. I go on holiday, um, I, I immediately devour a book because mm -hmm. I can focus, because I'm out mm -hmm. of my usual environment. Everyone's got a studio at home. And because that time is effectively unmetered, you can take as long as you like. I think that I'm not alone in finding it quite difficult to focus on what I'm supposed to be getting on with. If you go somewhere to do the work, do you think that's that's kind of uh, part of the the appeal of, of, of going to a studio to, uh, to to make your record? Yeah, I totally agree with that. Of course, you need focus, but it's also really important to create a safe space where you can create mm -hmm. and do your job as well and play and make music. Because mm -hmm. um, like that's uh, 
there's a toxic culture around studios as well that now is starting to uh like people are more and more aware of things that happen in recording studios so it's also important if you have i don't know you're the only non-man in a in a session that mm -hmm. the environment that you're in it's safe and you can focus as you said on your music instead of having to worry about other issues mm. uh, so i think one of the works that strong room has done and making the recording studios gender inclusive, which is very, very important. Um, because like having a diverse team of people that work mm. on sessions uh, allows you to um, give the artists that come to your studio different point of views. And then you can also yeah. open up a work with a different demographic that now it's like, mm -hmm. it's very, very important, uh, you know, the yeah. current panorama of the music scene. Um, but do you think that there's a definite difference with, you know, if you've got sort of non-males in the in, in the studio session, do we kind of bring a different vibe or, are, you know, our personality is completely different and some of I us can maybe do. be... Yeah. I think we okay. do. Because also, mm -hmm. like, our culture... Uh, our, I don't know, the book that we read, the movie that we watch, uh, yeah. the things that we like are different. So mm -hmm. uh, if we uh, we having a session with a person from our same demographic, we may have more things to, to bond on. For instance, um, I was recently at the MPG and I had a conversation with one of the people that was there. Uh -huh. And it was like, uh, it's nice to find someone that is like me from my same demographic in this environment that is like mm -hmm. very high-end music industry where we can actually bond on mm. our cultures like oh in which football team do you play yes <laughs> well that's, that's the thing I, I wrote an article recently about it and when I first started out which wasn't that long ago to be honest um, I didn't see any anyone like me mm. in the sessions at all to the point where I thought can I actually do this you know because you do need those kind of role models yeah. and, and to see it happening with someone else otherwise it doesn't occur to you that maybe you could pursue the same thing so yeah. So, yeah, it's definitely really important. I think even when I was starting out, even when I was younger and playing in bands and stuff, even for me, like, white male, mm. I just I found studios really inaccessible. I never thought that I could ever get in a recording studio. Oh, really? And Why, why is that then? Or why um, was that? It's kind of like, it, well, you know, if you're just playing in indie bands... How is mm -hmm. how is it accessible? How could you possibly mm. uh, find a studio, afford to get in a studio? Um, it was, I mean, yeah. you know, this is 20 years ago when mm -hmm. the only way to record was to have a label pay for, your stu yeah. for a studio for you to go in. Well, that's so, what's so great about these days, isn't it? You know, it's, it's democratised, it's mm. much cheaper for people, uh, maybe less financially, you know, in a great place. Yeah. So but I, think I couldn't, I couldn't yeah. imagine how it. I mean, if I was struggling with it, how how would people um, from a were, different demographic? Yeah, how how yeah. how possibly? Mm. And that's why the music industry has been dominated by the same demographic for like yeah. years and years. And now mm -hmm. there are many people that are trying to deconstruct that. Of course, the focus is always doing music and be good at your job. Uh, yeah, we don't have to forget that. 
So no, 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 no. The, the passion, I... whatever we started for, we started for the passion that we have mm. uh, for our job, our craft. But at the same time, uh, seeing other people arriving to certain uh, milestone faster because of like the social class or uh, yeah. I don't know, the color of the skin or the people that they know they went to the same private school. Uh, mm. it, it's really daunting. So it's important like to dismantle uh, these kind of ingrained behaviors in the music industry. Yeah. And it also sort of perpetuates each other, you know, because with the, um, what's the word, the, these spaces have been designed like that with, you know, a certain dem demographic that's designed them. And so it kind of keeps, you know, unless you break that cycle, it just keeps sort of, you know, becoming uncomfortable for other people. And then you, you can't get more, you know, more people into those situations. So... So, and yeah. as a consequence, I mean, we wouldn't have new new things to talk about in our songs or new sounds coming from, yeah. I don't know, different part of the world or different experience from uh, other people. At the end of the day, just come to diversity, uh, implementing what we do, <laughs> giving mm. us a different perspective, a new perspective, a fresh perspective. Yeah. And how far do you think we've come so far? Do you think we've still got a long way to go in your yeah opinion. i think so so gender mm. diverse people still represent the five percent of this industry of mm. the audio industry which yeah, is yeah. the a quarter of a quarter of a quarter of a quarter, mm. of a quarter. It's, cra it's crazy low, <laughs> it's crazy it? yeah mm. it is so there's still some work That's to just do just a tiny bit of work to do yeah <laughs> but then as you say there is now representation mm. the beat that um other demographics can see yeah, absolutely. And so it can only it can only get better. Cool. So yeah, one thing I'd like to um, finish off asking maybe is, um, can you think of something that you've learned during your career that maybe you wish you knew at the beginning? Uh, let's go to you, Iggy. Um, I think something actually something that I had at the beginning that I don't have so much now that I have now realised is re so important is uh, collaboration and community mm. and just having people around you to um, to bounce off of, work with, mm -hmm. to kind of, uh, to expand your own uh, powers. Mm. And it's so, so important that when I was starting out, I was, you know, I was playing in indie bands and stuff. So I knew there was a scene and I knew everyone in the scene. I had so many people around me uh, doing like-minded stuff and it was incredible. And then um, you, that scene wouldn't have been there without the people. And now it, it's kind of, you know, as people are more separated now than they were, especially in London, I think, mm. uh, that's kind of it's been lost a little bit and i th i think a lot of that um you know being in a band or being in a community of bands mm. the power that that had for each individual member to mm. move like progress and mm. bring out the best in themselves yeah boost it's morale kind of been lost well, a little bit yeah. yeah totally i mean now even even just having someone like while i'm mixing having someone in the back of the room mm. uh, being aware of someone else in the room changes totally how i mix and and you suddenly you can hear what's wrong and they don't have to tell you <laughs> yeah yeah i know that one yeah 
<laughs> yeah, but um, and just you know having someone else on the same working in the same building just to mm. you know have some fresh ears and say oh I do that a little yeah. differently but, oh yeah, yeah okay exactly when totally you say uh, like minded people but also people with completely different skill sets to you that I, I oh, find yeah, that yeah. really helpful you totally, know because you yeah. can sort of bounce off each other um, what about yeah. you Ari um, I was having this conversation with a friend of mine like just a couple mm. of days ago and I've learned two things that I wish I knew before and the first one is mm-hmm. saying no Yes. <laughs> At the beginning of your career, you always say yes to everything yeah. because you feel like you're missing out some opportunities. But then mm-hmm. I learned that sometimes it's more important what you say no to and how selective you are more than yep. saying yes to everything. Yeah. Um, and then the second thing that I've learned is that you don't always need a compressor. <laughs> <laughs> Good one. Compressor are our friends, but there are instances and situations that you can always do without. Mm. So that's a new I'd, finding for yeah. me. That's some I, radical I like talk the, um, there, that is. Awesome. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes, potentially very unpopular. <laughs> but I like the, the you can say no thing as well, because especially when you're, you're sort of younger and vulnerable, you're making your own music and maybe you're very open to other people's suggestions too much. And then you can yeah. kind of, steer away from the path that feels authentic to you and I don't think that's a good idea I think especially if you're the artist you have to really go with what feels right because you're the one that has to then sell it you know you have to live that so yeah definitely don't just do what people suggest because you think they have more experience than you um but yeah Julian Oh, oh, am I doing one? Oh, dear. Yeah, the, um, well, it's a, it's a little <laughs> bit longer ago for, for me than it is for, for uh, uh, any of you. Um, I, <laughs> what would I say? Um, you know that piece of gear that you didn't really kind of value because kind of like, oh, this is just old tat, no one's interested in this anymore. Mm-hmm. Keep it, sell it in 20 years because <laughs> it'll be worth loads. I've got several examples I can, <laughs> I can mention. Um, that's uh-huh. such a good tip. Oh, <laughs> the whole cabinet full of them. <laughs> even, no, I mean, even tat, though, you know, just because it's kind of like um, uh, something that's quite, <laughs> quite distressing is to see um, just kind of guitar pedals that I just left at a mate's house and never went back for now being considered vintage and highly desirable mm. and prices spiking on them and going, really? For a like purple boss flanger, what you know? It's mm. like yeah, yeah, yeah. So, anyway, there we go. Um, yeah, I think I got a guitar from 2012. I don't know if that's vintage already. It's Not quite, but give it, give it time. <laughs> it will be give soon. It, time. It, it won't. It won't take long. You'll be you'll be alarmed at how soon that is. Mm. <laughs> um, excellent. So uh, we should we should move on to uh, to find of the week. RSPE Audio Solutions design, sell, and install professional audio and video equipment. Their team are available by phone, live chat, or email to receive and process orders. They have everything you need to build or upgrade your home studio to ensure you can continue to work from home. If there is anything they can do to help, reach out or shop online at rspeaudio.com. So Ari, what's, what's your fun of the week? Um, it's a DJ, actually. <laughs> I cool. went to um, to this place that I'm a regular at that is called Fold. It has an amazing uh, community and a lot of like electronic music and residents. Um, and then there was Bloody Mary DJ playing, which is a resident of a club in Berlin that is called Treasure. And mm-hmm. it absolutely blew my mind, also because she plays with drum machines. And we are so used to see uh, DJs like with decks 
instead mm-hmm. of having like drum machines and Ableton, a kind of live set going on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, that was my find of the week. And now I'm like scraping YouTube and seeing what's her setup yeah. is. <laughs> what kind of genre? Um, it's like electronic techno acid, uh, mm-hmm. which of course is the best genre to play with drum machines. Uh, uh, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Uh, I think cool. I'll go with a... Uh, I've, I found a SoundCloud. That'd be a good place to good place to link to. So check out the podcast notes. But yeah, I love that anyone who's doing stuff like mm. that, you know, hands on, as it were. Fantastic. Mm. Um, cool. uh, so uh, Iggy, what's what's your find of the week? Uh, it's a record, an an album. I think it. I think it's been out about a month or or so. It's by a girl called Cara Jackson, who is a girl from Chicago. Who's just this record it's a debut record and it blew me away it's amazing and i just i was just looking at the credits and namdi was on there who i'm an absolutely massive fan of and um so i went for it and it's great it's mm-hmm. got um i i was trying to figure out what it was that sounded so familiar about it and then there was the songwriting is kind of very traditional folky in some parts lots of blues but it's a very Mm. modern production and it took me a while to pick up on those uh you know traditional elements marks on it It it's really interesting record so give it a go is it cara with a k or cara with a c cara with a k and cara Cara jackson okay the more the further along in the record i got to it the different uh uh, genre, I would have pigeonholed it. Oh, okay, so so you really... ended up you ended up changing your opinion of the music as the music went on. That's that's always yeah. A good thing. It, was, it was a really you know it made me made me think a little. It's a really interesting record. Excellent. Ashia, what, what about you? What's your find of the week? Oh well, mine's less uh, gear based this time. Um, I went to Bill's. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I um, yeah I went to Bill's uh, the other weekend and. Uh, my friend ordered a Bill's flower pot dessert, which is basically passion fruit cheesecake. And it's in like a chocolate pot, but it actually looks like a flower pot that's surrounded by soil. And it's got edible flowers that are really pretty around it. And it was delicious. And it was just really cool. You could eat just everything on the plate. And I, it would have been even better if you could eat the plate. But other than that, I absolutely loved it. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. Yes, really good. Straight so after this, I'm, I'm on my way. Excellent, and and it's nice that somebody somebody other than me is doing a food related final week. <laughs> so. uh, fantastic. Um, I've I've got one. Mine's mine's mixed a mobile, uh, which is this app that you can use to uh, to send audio from your from your DW two to a phone. Um, which is mm-hmm. fine, not something I'm that interested in doing, to be honest. But what I found really handy uh, experimenting with it was you can then route your phone out to, to an AirPlay device, which is something that actually oh, cool. I, I found I was doing quite often because I've got an old uh, Bowers and Wilkins Zeppelin that I just don't use anymore because I've upgraded my kitchen speakers. And, um, yeah, it's great uh, for just like a reference, having, um, having some kind of wireless speaker somewhere else in the room um, preferably, and in in my studio, I've got kind of like a little sort of like buttress wall. It's quite odd, sort of halfway down the room. And if I pop it down there, out of the way, facing away from me, then I'm just getting reflected sound. And it's you know the thing about checking mixes from outside of the door of the room. Yes, you're mixing in. you yeah, can do yeah, that do without that having to get up. 
<laughs> which, Ooh, is, nice. which is quite nice a thing. So yeah, no, it's, it's, I just thought it was a, it was a cool little thing. So I thought mm. I'd have. Can you send us the link afterwards? There's, there's even an article on the uh, on on the, oh. on the blog about it, which is which has got me grinning into a camera, which is something I very rarely do. So. Anyway, I mean, check the check the check the notes uh, podcast notes for that, and I'll, I'll pop the link in back to that. But yeah, uh, that's all we've got time for this week. So uh, uh, thanks to Shir, thanks to Ari, thanks to Iggy. We'll be back next week with another edition of the Production Expert Podcast. Mm-hmm.